0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Flush. I'm your host Kiva and this is the 92nd episode, I think, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes, yes, yes. It is the 92nd episode. We are eight away from 100. How fucking crazy is that? Like I actually cannot believe it. I'm so excited. I want to have a massive party for 100. I'm not sure what it will include yet. Maybe, um, maybe like those balloons you know those um (laughs) you know those like gold balloons god I'm doing a shit job at describing this okay you know those like balloons they have like some kind of helium in them so they stand upright and they're the giant numbers and they're kind of like my (laughs) are they mylar material oh my god I'm gonna google this hold on hold on hold on Mylar. Mylar. That's what I have in my head. Yes, yes, M Y L A R Mylar. Yes. Um generically referred to polyester film or plastic sheet. Um wow, in reality it's a brand that's registered trademark. Um just like quick trademark information, if a brand name that is trademark starts being used generically, it loses its trademark protection. So a good example of this was like in the 90s with Xerox, people would say things, younger people listening will not know what I'm talking about, but like in office settings, people would say things like, hey, can you Xerox this for me? And what they meant was, hey, can you take a photocopy of this for me? Um, But because Xerox was just such a massive brand, it just became generic and it lost its trademark protection. And then Xerox started advertising advertising people to stop saying that so that they could get their trademark protection back and then they did get get it back so um yeah it seems like mylar may have actually lost its trademark protection if people are just saying it generically anyway you know those giant balloons you know what i'm talking about with the numbers maybe i'll get like a uh, 100 giant balloon maybe a cake maybe some streamers um I don't know, maybe like those like air horn things, you know, those like things people make noise with at parties. I don't know. I want to go all out. I want to like, I don't do birthday parties, but like this I'm down to celebrate because a hundred episodes of a podcast is no joke. And also, um, I just, I can't get off the Mylar balloon topic. When I was little, we would walk by the store that had these balloons and they would have these like, um, I don't know if they had them in the U S but they, they were like (laughs) balloon um like mylar balloon people and stuff it would have like a head and a body and then like little streamers those like arms and legs (laughs) with like teensy weights on them so that it was like just enough for the balloon to stand up but like wouldn't fly away but also wouldn't be fully weighed down And I'd always want my mom to buy them for me. And she was always like, absolutely not. Like, they deflate in like a day. And like, this is not what we're going to spend money on. And I'd always be so upset that she wouldn't buy them for me. So maybe I'll get a few Mylar balloon people, too, if I can find anything that looks like that. And um, yeah, just really have a part. Oh, my God, have so much salt and vinegar chips, like every different brand of salt and vinegar chips. Maybe I'll do it. blind taste test. I want to do a blind taste test of like all the different brands that are vegan and um I think I'm going to throw it on TikTok, not on the blush TikTok. I'll do it on a different TikTok account cuz I think that would be like too chaotic. Um and yeah, um so yeah, All these things. (laughs) Anyway, moving right along. So, I have some very important news. I finally wiped my phone. I wiped everything off of it and I rebooted it. So, now I have all this space on my phone and I really haven't been knowing what to do with myself. It's like the really, like the kid from the really strict household who goes to college and goes just like absolutely crazy. Like on Tuesday, I went and I got drinks with a friend and I took like a few videos while we were at drinks. In all fairness, it's because I ordered this um, martini situation and it came out like some kind of like fucking science experiment. There was a glass bowl with shaved ice that had olives on it. And I ate the olives and I have to say they were the best olives I have had in my entire life. I've been fantasizing about them. I've thought about calling them and asking them where they bought them because they're so fucking good. And you know what it is? The olives still had the pit in them and they were very like, I don't know, they may have even bought like fresh olives and like house cured them or something, but like they were very like fresh and now olives do have to be cured to be eaten you can't just like go pick an olive off of a tree and pop it in your mouth that is my understanding of how it works like please correct me if i'm wrong but um yeah like they weren't that aged and i always buy pitted olives because like she doesn't have time to take the pits out of olives. You know what I mean? Like if I'm using olives, they're getting chopped. They're going in something. I'm making like a tapenade. I'm making, I'm making things, you know? I don't have time to take the pits out. But I would imagine when the pits stay in, it just, it adds something extra to it. And it's really making me rethink my life philosophy. But as a general concept, I don't enjoy putting something in my mouth, and then having to take something out of it. And that is why I always swallow. Um, No, but like I really, you know, like, have you ever at a restaurant had artichoke where It's not just the heart where you can eat it, but it's like the leaves of the artichoke and you dip it in a sauce and you put it in your mouth and with your teeth, you scrape the meaty part and then you put the inedible part in a bowl. I don't enjoy doing that. Cherries, I really fucking love cherries, so I will make an exception for cherries, but I don't enjoy the fact that I put it in my mouth and then I have to take the pit out. It's it's just not a vibe. When I eat other types of stone fruit, like apricots, nectarines, peaches, I always cut them up because I don't want to like fucking eat it and then have to like put like my saliva-y pit somewhere. It's just not what I feel like doing with my life. So I don't really enjoy the concept, but I have to say those olives were so fucking good. I would do anything for them. Um, Also, this all occurred at Dante. Um, It was the West Village location, although I'd imagine the original McDougal location also has the Fire Fire Olives. Oh, okay. I just remembered what we were talking about. So the whole presentation of the martini was out of control. So there's the olives, which, you know, just like droplets of gold straight from heaven and then there's my martini glass which was empty and then there was a picture of what looked like a super super dirty vodka martini um mix and then there is like a little um bottle with like a dropper top, you know, like the type of bottle you might get essential oils in or like a face serum or something. It's like a little like one ounce bottle with um a dropper top. Okay. Very strange. So, well, I guess it wasn't like that theatrical, but I did take videos of it. Maybe I'll post it somewhere. Um, So he puts the glass down and then he holds the pitcher like 10 feet above the glass, not 10 feet, but like two feet above the glass, pours it in, and then takes the dropper and puts three drops in. It was very theat- theatrical, so I just started taking videos there. Then I come home, and, you know, I'm like pretty drunk, And I'm just dancing around the kitchen like a psycho. I also danced the entire way home. I don't think I recorded myself. But when I was in the kitchen, as I'm making myself toast, I'm just dancing around the kitchen and videoing myself dancing around the kitchen. I haven't even watched the videos because I can only imagine how unattractive it is. I also had changed into pajamas and I'm eating my toast. And my toast is like dripping all over my pajamas. Like they're stained with yellow tomatoes (laughs) but yeah so I'm like taking all this footage and then a couple days later I'm like "Wait, wait, wait you know what I need to be doing with all this extra space on my phone I need to do the fucking iPhone update that came out months ago for months people have been sending me emojis that I can't see all I see are question marks with the boxes around them so I finally do the iPhone update And the number one thing that I notice is that every time I leave the house, my phone gets like an alert on the screen that says... MacBook left at home like alert alert you're separated from your MacBook last seen at home I'm like yeah no shit last seen at home I'm going to the grocery store I don't need my fucking MacBook like why are you alerting me to this like why like is this a service that people need like are people on the regular forgetting to take their MacBook to the places that they're supposed to be taking their MacBook because like I forget shit all the time and I don't think I've ever forgotten that like that seems like kind of a major thing but i I also am not taking my MacBook places on the regular. So maybe that's it. I don't know. Anyway, what I really, really wanted um, was to see all these new emojis. And I can't even see them. I found one. And the way that I found that was that I searched in my text history emojis and then I saw that I had texted my sister-in-law and I was like, oh, I can't see that emoji because I haven't done the update. So she sent a screenshot. So I had already seen that emoji. But like, what are all these emojis that people have been sending me for months now that I haven't been able to see? Like, if anyone's listening to this and they know which ones are the new emojis, could you just like DM them to me, please? And thank you. Um Other updates, I realized I haven't talked about Samantha in a while and um, I got some people asking about her, which like how sweet. Thank you so much. She's doing really well. She's out of um, confinement. She is now allowed to walk, although we are very gradually increasing the lengths of her walks. She, you know, we still don't let her jump on furniture or anything like that um the other day i took her to the grocery store for the first time since all this happened and she loves shopping like it is one of her favorite activities and so not being able to go to the store all this time has been very hard on her and there's a grocery store that's just two blocks away from me and so she's worked up the strength to walk there so um yeah so i took her to the store she really enjoyed it it's not you know She loves grocery shopping. What she really loves is going to stores that sell makeup and going to the makeup section. That's definitely her favorite. She really, really likes like very bougie boutiques. So, you know, all of that stuff is a bit further away. So it's going to take a minute for her strength to get up there. But I think the grocery store is a really nice start for her. And yeah, I mean, all in all, things look good. I don't know. It's very, it's one of those things that's hard because, she can't speak, right? So, like, I don't know what she's thinking. I don't know what's actually going on. Like, when people are like, how is she? I'm like, I think good. I think. But, like, that's all I can really tell you. Like, if something was going on, I mean, I watch her like a hawk, but, like, it could completely evade me. Um, And, you know, she's also old, and she's had other issues, including autoimmune issues. And so every day I really – I really employ this like stoic principle, like from stoicism, which says that like you should treat your loved ones every day like it could be their last day because like it could be their last day. So like really try to enjoy their presence as much as you can and like don't leave anything unsaid and, you know, whatever. And that's how I live with her every single day. I'm like, this could be her last day. So like I want to snuggle with her as much as possible. I want to show her as much love. Uh, And, you know, do I necessarily crush it every single day? No, like, I'm separate from her right now. And I could tell you, like, if she were to die tomorrow, I'd be like, well, why did I spend an hour recording separate from her? Why didn't I have her, like, completely attached to me? Okay, this is getting really sad, so I'm just going to move on. Um, People have also asked about Ozzy's um, bike accident. He's doing okay. Um, We think he might have a broken finger or two, honestly, because it's like still kind of swollen and like kind of numb so you know instead of going to a doctor or something like a normal person might he (laughs) I was like should we get like a finger splint or something for you because he was like well it's not like the doctor can do anything which I, I actually do understand um and he's like oh I can make something so you grab tape and you just tape two of his fingers together and I was like we could have used like chopsticks or something. Like I don't like, I've done this type of thing with plants before. I mean, we could have fashioned something a little bit better than this, but no, he just has his fingers taped together. So yeah, I don't know about that. Um, his crotch is like not looking great. Like it's really, I'm not going to lie. There is a gigantic bruise on his inner thigh, like right by his crotch that is I mean it's fucking large and the colors change every day. It kind of it's like a its own little tie-dye situation and it's really it's kind of out of control. Um yeah, I don't I I I don't know what else to say. Um but yeah, thank you so much for checking in. Um you know, the cuts and stuff on his fingers do seem to be healing quite slowly, but they're healing. Um the fingers themselves hopefully will get better. But yeah, the crotch is like really not looking great. So if you ride a bike in Williamsburg, look out for puddles that actually have gigantic holes underneath. And he showed me a photo of it and credit where credit's due, like it does just look like a puddle. Like I would have never thought that there was a massive hole underneath there. So yeah, not an ideal situation. Okay, so I was thinking about this the other day and it really has like nothing to do with anything, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> so I was looking at a photo of someone, a man, and I was like, wow, he is getting more and more good looking as he ages. And then I was thinking about this, how we have this general thing in society where we think that men age well and women do don't age well like women lose their looks as they age and men get more attractive as they age and I was really thinking about it and men and women age the same way by and large right like the same shit happens like we get forehead lines we get gray hairs we get crow's feet like the skin might loosen like all the same shit is happening What's different is the story that we attach to it, right? It's just, it's aging, it's signs of aging. The thing is, we deem signs of aging attractive in men because what we value in men is like stability, maturity, and an ability to provide financially, right? So in our minds, we have now associated aging with all of those things, and therefore they become more attractive to us. Whereas in women, what we value is like youth and, I don't know, ability to provide children. (laughs) So when we see signs of aging... We think it's less attractive because it goes against what we value in women. But it really, like, when you look at it, we're all aging the same way. It's just, it's kind of mind-boggling, right? Because how many times, like, I can't be the only person who's looked at a man and been like, God, he's gotten so much hotter. Like, I have this friend who... I didn't even think was attractive in his 20s. And now every time I see him, he looks older. And every time I'm like, he just looks better. He just keeps looking better. There are outliers. Like there are some men who, you know, lose their hair and gain a lot of weight. But I would say those are outliers, right? Like by and large, we tend to think of men as getting more attractive as they get older, even like among celebrities. Like some, I don't know, like let's say George Clooney. George Clooney was always attractive, He's just attractive in a different way, maybe. But then there are some guys who, like, I don't know. I think Brad Pitt for the longest time was getting more and more attractive. He may Okay, you know what? I'm going to stop talking about this because it's just getting kind of awkward now. So I had my second um laser hair removal appointment. Um... It was a great time <laughs> you know what can I say she increased the laser level a little now I will say so I didn't shave in between the first and second appointment I only shaved like the day of um and actually funny story if you follow me on Instagram you may have seen this unfold but the day of my my appointment like 15 minutes before I'm just like out traipsing the streets running errands whatever and I'm recording an Instagram story And as I'm recording an Instagram story, I'm like, wow, my face is looking so hairy. And then I was like, I have an appointment like almost right now for hair removal. So I got laser hair removal um, for Brazilian and then I wax my arms. I wax my underarms and I get my face threaded, which if you're not familiar with that form of hair removal, they basically take a piece of thread and like wind it around your hair so that your hair gets stuck in it and then pull it. It's just a form of hair removal. It's, like, very common in Iran and Indian places like that. Um, I think it's really nice for hair removal on the face, personally. So, yeah, um, I realize I'm running late. I, like, DM um, the girl who does it for me, and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I forgot to shave. Can I just run home and shave and then come? Because you have to shave before you get laser hair removal, which... Uh, honestly I don't think we spend enough time as a society talking about like why exactly do we have to do that and like what like it's just like like no one even told me like I just knew I guess so I guess maybe we do spend enough time as society talking about it I don't know but like literally no one told me and like, I could have come with a full bush, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, I'd like, if I feel like if I understood why, then maybe I would be more, like, I'd be better about the shaving or something. I don't know. I just, like, I need I need to know more information about this is all I'm saying. Anyway, but um, I noticed in between my first and second appointment, one time, like, after Ozzy and I had sex, like, there was all this, like, pubic hair that just kind of fell out of my crop this is just a weird story so yeah I don't know I think it's working and she said that she thought it would work really well on my hair type so does that mean it works like better on like gorillas I don't know (laughs) but I was thinking about this when I was at my appointment Like when you go to like get a wax or get lasered or um, get a massage or go to the gyno or any number of services where you have to undress, isn't it funny how they put you in the room, have you undress? And then they walk in once you're naked, right? And in a lot of these services, they're actually, like, interacting with your naked body. Now, the massage, you are, like, covered a bit with a blanket when they're not touching that specific body part. But, like, the gyno, I mean, they put fingers inside, you know? This, I mean, she (laughs) had to touch my labia. You know, like it's not like she's seeing everything. So isn't it wild that we don't undress in front of them, but like we can be naked in front of them. And then I remember when we were done, I just like, Put my underwear on because I was like, what am I gonna hang out here like with my flaps out all day? Like, I'm not gonna wait until she's leaving. I'm just gonna put my fucking underwear on. But like, that's like a weirder thing to do than to wait for her to leave and then put your underwear on. But all I'm doing is putting more clothes on. Like, why is that so weird? I don't know. I have to say, every time I like question these social norms now, I'm like on this TikTok algorithm around like neurodivergence. And I have to say like TikTok has me fully convinced, like fully convinced that I'm on the autism spectrum. And um, I mentioned this to Ozzy and he was like, yeah, I read this article the other day about how all these people are misdiagnosing themselves with autism because of TikTok. Like apparently there's this like phenomenon of like TikTok influencers who say that they're autistic and they're not um but yeah like in cuz here's the thing i don't know if anyone else is on this algorithm and being fed this stuff but like every single thing that i see i'm like well yeah i have that like and these were things that i just thought were normal like i i thought everyone was like this and then like tiktok is like no it actually means that you're autistic and i'm like But, like, wouldn't someone have caught it if I was? (laughs) I don't know. Like, I I mean, am I? Like, is this going to change something in my life if I am? Like, Like, is there something I would or should be doing differently? Or is it just, like, an excuse maybe for the fact that I have, like, zero social skills? I don't know. Anyway moving right along to something completely unrelated. I was listening to a podcast the other day and this topic came up and I've actually talked about this a lot. So I want to chat about it here. And I'm very curious to hear what you all think. So DM me your thoughts on this. Do you confirm plans with a person the day of? Like, So let's say you make plans like a week, a day, Well, not a day, more than a day, like a week, two weeks, whatever, ahead of time. Do you then on the day of the plans confirm your plans or do you just show up to your plans? Because I think it's like insane to just show up. Like I can't even imagine a world in which I wouldn't confirm my plans, but I know of people who don't. And I think it might be like a generational thing because the first time it happened to me. I was supposed to hang out with this guy. Um, I had met him when I was on a date with another guy. (laughs) Just off to a flying start. So I'm on a date with a guy. And we're at this venue. And there's a live band playing. And the bass player was very, very, very good. And something about me, I'm really attracted to talent. And it like, doesn't even matter what you're good at. If there's something you're passionate about, if there's something you're good at, I'm probably going to find you very attractive. And he was just incredibly good at playing bass. And he also looked a lot like TJ Miller. And so my date and I were joking about it. And I was like, so like I kind of had an excuse to talk to him. Um oh that actually wasn't the excuse the excuse was that he was like scribbling weird things onto an ipad that like looked like it was some kind of secret code and so i was like oh i'll ask him about it or something i don't know but anyway so i'd like go and talk to him and then when my date was in the bathroom i just like literally go up to him and i was like hey here's my phone number do you want to take it real quick and he's like oh do i have to be quick about this because you don't want your date to see and i was like yes and he's like okay cool (laughs) and then he texted me that night and then, um, and he actually didn't live in town. And so he's like, I'm going to be back in town in a couple of weeks. Like, I have to do this gig. Like, do you want to hang out afterwards? And I was like, sure. And he's like, okay, like, it should be done by 11. Like, do you want to meet here at 11? And I was like, great. Sounds great. The day of rolls around, and there's actually like a friend's birthday party that I'm at before that. And so I'm at the birthday party. I haven't heard from him all day. And it's like, Nine thirty, ten, 10 or something and I'm talking to a friend and I'm supposed to meet him at 11 and I'm like... I don't go, right? Like I should just go home, right? <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't know. Like you guys do have a like a place and a time set. And I was like, yeah, but like what kind of serial killer doesn't confirm plans the day of? Like he obviously doesn't want to hang out. And then she was like, you know what? Just text him. Like just text him. Like instead of just not showing up, just text him. And so I text him. I was like, hey, are we still on for 11? And he's like yeah of course like why wouldn't we be and i was like oh like that's weird like <laughs> cuz you didn't confirm that's why and so i went whatever um obviously like nothing major happened between the two of us but i've encountered i've encountered it a couple more times in fact i think Ozzie may have done this early in us dating. And again to him it's like why would we not be on? We have a place set, we have a time set. Like why do we need to touch base about our plans again? But like to me, it's like our plans are not confirmed unless you confirm them. So like if you just show up, like I would think that's insane. But yeah, just like I'm so curious to hear. Maybe I'll do a poll on Instagram. But if you have thoughts on the subject or if you have any funny stories about the subject, please DM me because I'm so curious. And also speaking of plans, so I can be a bit of a flaky person. And I don't mean to be a flaky person. It's not like a trait that I like in myself. I've actually been thinking about it a lot because I don't think I used to be a flaky person. Like I... Can't remember ever flaking on plans like in high school. Anytime before high school, um, even college for most of college, like I don't think I ever flaked on plans. I think I started flaking on plants when I started to have an eating disorder and it was like largely food related. And to this day, even though I'm like so much better with food stuff, when I flake on plants, it often is food related. It's like, I don't want to go out when I feel too, too, too full. And so I generally like to go out and do stuff like before I have like dinner. And so... I don't know if I just like get hungry and end up eating, like I'm probably not going to want to keep our plans. Like that's kind of how it unfolds for me. It's like really not, I don't know. I mean, it's still kind of fucked up, but I'm just saying it's, it's like, I don't even think it's like part of my nature. Like, I think it's all a symptom of eating disorder. And then looking back on it, I probably was like the victim of people flaking plants, right? Like I always wanted to keep plants. Like I barely had any friends. I was like excited to do shit, right? And then I think in college, because... I felt kind of isolated isolated even though I did have friends and I was in a sorority and stuff I still felt kind of isolated like I felt like I wasn't like that close with anyone I just like had a lot of friends but like not like close 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 friends so I often felt like I didn't have like someone to eat a meal with or like do this with I mean sometimes I did sometimes I didn't and so I think that a lot of the eating disorder stuff. I mean, there was a lot of just like wanting to be thin and this and that, don't get me wrong. But I do think there was an element, especially with the binge eating, where I just really enjoyed, like I started to take like comfort in eating by myself. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think this is where it all stems from. Um, it's it's a, not a very well thought out <laughs> explanation, but this is kind of what I'm tracking. Anyway, so... um I feel like the best way that I can not be flaky is to just say no to things that I don't want to do because that's a big reason why I'm flaky too. It's like I say yes to things that I know I don't want to do. And so the other day, a friend texted me she's like, oh, would you want to go to like some DJ next weekend? And I was like, no, sorry, I don't. and I've never been more proud of myself because if I said yes, or if I said, maybe I can guarantee you I wouldn't have wanted to go. Like, I just know I don't want to go to that. And I'm so fucking proud of myself for saying no. Um, also, while we're kind of on college, I do want to touch on Bama Rush. Well, I don't want to touch on Bama Rush. I feel obligated to touch on Bama Rush because I wasn't a sorority. And the thing is, like, I haven't even been on that side of TikTok. So, like, I don't even really know. But, like, my understanding is that it's, like, very white. um, And, like, all the sororities cut, like, the one trans woman who was rushing, which is super fucked up. And, you know, it's just very... um homogeneous is that the word I'm looking for there's something that happens when I sit in front of a mic and hit record where like every word I've ever learned in the English language just like fully escapes my head anyway yeah I mean I was in a sorority it was a very different type like it was a very different school like I didn't go to a massive southern school where you need like 30 recommendation letters to even be considered by a sorority it wasn't like that at all it was a lot chiller. It was, uh, it, it was a lot better. Like it, it wasn't like that. But you know what I will say is like it's still a little bit icky. Like there are, like the like I didn't think about it at the time because I think I was so in denial of my own non-whiteness right like I wasn't really acknowledging the fact that like I am Middle Eastern and different from people like there were hardly any non-white people wait were there any other non-white people in my sorority now that I think about it I mean my little and my sorority one of my littles in my sorority is also Persian like she joined because of me because like we already knew each other. So like, I don't know how much I'm going to count that. Not like that she, she counts, but you know what I mean? She like literally joined because of me. Um, But I cannot. Okay. There were like maybe one or two black girls. I can't think of a s- single other. Oh, no, no, no. I can think of like one or two Asian girls. But that's probably it. Like, I can't think of, like, any... Uh, there were a couple of British girls once. Like, that's where I'm at now. Like, British girls is where I'm counting, like, diversity. Um, I can't think of a single queer person in any of the sororities that I knew now. Like, I'm sure they existed. They just, like, didn't feel comfortable coming out. Like, it really, in retrospect it was uncomfortable and I always felt kind of weird and like, I don't know, like I got into this sorority that was like considered a very quote unquote good sorority at school, which is like just such, such a cringe thing to say to begin with. Um, and like I wasn't cool in high school, like I barely had friends in high school. So I really I remember I started in college being like, I want to do everything different from high school. Like I want to be as perfect as possible. I want to have straight A's. I want to do all the extracurriculars. I want to like be popular. I want to get into a good sorority. Like I'm going to do everything different. And doing everything different also kind of included like really whitewashing myself because in high school, when I did have friends in high school, a lot of them were Middle Eastern. And like I remember when I went to college, it was like very like, yeah, like I really like I was like wearing, especially in the beginning, I was like wearing like very preppy clothes and just trying my hardest to be very, very white And uh, yeah, I was so proud that I got into the sorority, but then like I also felt kind of uncomfortable in it for at least the first two years of it. Like I just like felt like I didn't fit in and I was kind of the outcast and like probably no one wanted me and like they made a mistake on me or whatever. And then like the last two years, I kind of like stopped giving a fuck as much. And uh, this like weird thing happened where it was like suddenly people were liking me a lot more and like, like, like I, like the way we did officer selection, like you wouldn't run for a position. People nominate you and then vote on you is very strange. And like people like really wanted me to be like on the executive board, which was strange. And so I did like, it was, it was like, it like made no sense. Like I like went from like really feeling like the outcast to like suddenly feeling like I like, was well respected in my sorority. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. The whole thing is kind of toxic. But again, where I went to school is nothing like Bama. It is nothing like Bama. And what goes on there is like really upsetting and I understand that maybe they don't have, like, the most opportunities for diversity because, like, there just aren't, like, that many minorities and stuff. But with Grant, the trans woman, they did literally have an opportunity for diversity that they just gave up. So, yeah, I don't know. It is upsetting. And, like, really when I'm thinking about it, I just, I honestly cannot think of a single queer person in my sorority or in any of the sororities that we hung out with not one it's wild anyway so yeah that's all I'm going to say on Bama Rush because again I really haven't been watching the videos like I don't really know what's going on I just know what I've heard other places but as someone who was in a sorority I figured I'd say something okay moving right along Um, so you may have heard that Amrata, um, and her husband are getting a divorce. And that he allegedly cheated on her. And I've been seeing this thing a lot all over the internet where people are like, wow, if M. Roda gets cheated on, then there's really no hope for the rest of us. And I just want to address this because really what we're saying here is that the Otis to not be cheated on is on the the victim of the cheating, right? Like it's like like men cheat because of how like, good looking or whatever worthy the woman that they're with is rather than like men cheat because of their own fucked up shit. <laughs> right? Or because like something is wrong in the relationship or like whatever. Like it's just it's this really fucked up way of looking at it. It's like it's not about like how good or how attractive or how this or how that the woman is. It's about what's going on with the person who cheats. It's not really what's going on with the victim of the cheating except for like cases where the relationship just isn't good, right? It's, It's one of two things. Either the relationship just isn't good Or the person has a propensity to cheat for whatever reason. Like I dated a guy who cheated on me many, many times not to brag. I mean like really like in the tens, like maybe 40 times, many, many times. And for him, like I can actually say this with full confidence because we're still pretty friendly. And like even at the time we could talk about it very openly it wasn't anything about us and our relationship. It was 100% because he was cheated on in a very bad and very public way, like very public way. Like he was married and um, he, him and his wife had like a show that they did together And someone called in and was like, just so you know, your wife is cheating on you and like everyone knows. And so he has like serious trauma from that as one would, like I understand, I'm not even judging him for that. And so he has since Been sleeping with married women and like cheating and things like that, but like specifically really likes to sleep with married women. And it makes sense when you think about it. And so, like, him cheating on me a lot, like, really was not even a reflection of what was going on in our relationship. It was honestly just a reflection of his his internal mental state. But then I think there are situations where people cheat because, like, things are rocky in the relationship and, like, they, you know, they're not getting, like, I think it's rarely even a about sex I mean sure like sometimes it's a bit about sex but I think it's more about like love and affection and attention and you go and you seek that outside the relationship but what it's literally never about is like how worthy the person is so this narrative of like oh if Emrata gets cheated on then there's no hope for the rest of us I think is like actually a really problematic thing to say even as a joke because it implies that it's on women to be good enough to not be cheated on and it's it's just it's never on the victim to not be victimized it's always on the perpetrator to not do the thing right it's it's actually it's kind of analogous to that line of thinking that's like well of course she was raped to look at what she was wearing right which i think we has have progressed enough in society to no longer say shit like that this i think is very analogous to that is that a fucked up thing to say i don't think so i don't know dm me if you think Okay, um, a couple more things I want to touch on before I get to, you know, what we're actually here to talk about today. Um, so if you might recall, I've been posting on the blush TikTok. I've actually completed my one month of uh, posting three times a day, but I'm still kind of posting here and there. And I am on this TikTok algorithm along with the neurodivergence algorithm. I'm on this other algorithm of like TikTok growth videos and um, I notice this advice all the time that's like make it about the person watching like use the word you like don't make it about yourself make it about the person watching And I've noticed that the TikToks that I post that do well actually don't do that. The TikToks that I post that do well are like literally just talking about myself. It's like not even giving advice. It's nothing about the other person just sharing something about my personal life. And it just, it got me thinking that it's like you have to find the way that works for you like there are so many people out there all the time giving advice like being like this is the way to do this this is the way to do that this is the way to grow on tiktok this is the way to grow on instagram this is the way to heal your gut health issues. This is the way to, you know, whatever. This is the way to heal this. This is the way to heal that. And people can tell you what they did that worked for them or what they've seen that works, has worked for other people. But at the end of the day, we all have our own patterning and it's not always the same. And sometimes like, like you just have to figure out your own patterning and you can look to other people for like, uh, I don't know, inspiration or just like get a sense of what worked for them and maybe what worked for them will work for you. But there's no guarantee that it will like you can try different things on. But, you know, in today's kind of influencer culture and like Um, coaching culture and like various experts on various things culture I think it's really important to keep in mind that just because something works for one person doesn't mean it works for you and it really bothers me I see this like in the food and wellness space a lot where people will be like oh, like, I just want you to eat the way that I do because I feel so good on this diet. And so like, eat the way that I do. And it's like, okay, but just because it works for you doesn't mean it works for other people. Like we all have different needs. Like we all have different patterning. So I don't know. I guess my message is to not get too caught up in how other people do things. Now, I'm not saying completely shut it out because it can be helpful and useful information. But just because something works for one person doesn't mean you have to adhere to that. Allow yourself to like be creative, to take artistic liberties with things and figure out what actually works for you. Um. Okay, so we're just gonna do recommendations of the week and move right into it. Um. Quick aside with recommendations of the week, I watch stuff on Hulu a lot, particularly like Bravo, and um. Oh, and on Bravo, if you're curious at all, I am fully caught up with Below Jack Mad, which I'm obsessed with. Um, And again, if you've never watched Bravo and you're kind of like not into the Housewives, which I get it. Like honestly, watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills has become like a chore for me. And I'm not sure why I do it. I'm honestly not sure why I do it. Every time I watch it, I'm like, is someone paying me to be watching this? Because that is like the energy with which I'm doing it as though it's like part of my fucking job or something but if you're like kind of not into housewives and stuff like that check out Below Deck Med. It's very different from other reality shows. I really think you'd like it. Like the aesthetics are beautiful, the editing is chef's kiss and it's it's just kind of interesting. Um I started Below Deck down under um which is fine. It always takes me a while to get into a new show, but it's fine. Um the uh The what's it called? The captain of their boat is extremely attractive and single. And so it's kind of a shit show because everyone hits on him. Anyway, so on Hulu, there's ads and I see these progressive insurance ads all the time with like John Hamm. And they're all kind of different, but, like, the main theme is that he's in love with Flo, the progressive insurance lady. And I have to say, like, I really don't get them, and I don't think they're funny, and I don't think they're interesting. I just need to vent about this. Um, If anyone else has seen them, please let me know. Um, Okay, I've been just whipping through Better Call Saul. I think we're, like, a few episodes away from finishing. Oh, we just finished, like, the half. Season Like so the last season was split into two. So we just finished like the first half of the last season. So there's like six ish, maybe six or seven episodes left. I'm really, really bummed about it. It is such a fucking good show. Like it just keeps getting better. Everything about it is impeccably done. The camera work, the angles, the artistic licensing, uh, the storyline. I mean, just the symbols, symbologies. <laughs> Symbology, is that a word? I am full on losing it. It is. This is harder than it looks, is all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, literally don't know what words are anymore. Um, symbolism, symbolism. That's the word. Thank you. Um, there's like Easter eggs in it. I mean... Every look is meaningful. It is just so fucking good. If you watched Breaking Bad and if you've not watched Better Call Saul, please watch it. If you've not watched either, watch Breaking Bad first. Better Call Saul is a prequel. Um, Okay, the other recommendation that I have, because like really I've been watching nothing else, um, is if you haven't seen The Morning Show on Apple TV, definitely check it out. It's so good. It's with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, the duo that you never knew you needed. If you're an OG Friends fan, you will know that they are sisters and friends, but like, you know. I think she appears once, so whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's really good. And I heard that John Ham is joining the cast next season, which is great because like I think he would be a perfect fit for the show, to be completely honest. Um, also, I, I think John Ham like really made his break kind of later in life, but I'm not sure about it. That's a story to maybe look into if you haven't quite achieved what you want in your career. Okay. Moving right along, (laughs) very awkward transition. You know what? They can't all be hits. Um, Okay, so I was thinking about like various things that have come up for me lately and I realized that I can deduce it into like three different ways or clues that can point to where you need to do like inner deeper healing work. So the first one is like when you react to something and it's not really about that, right? Like the reaction points to something deeper. So I'll um, give an example of how this came up for me in the past week. So Ozzy had invited his friend and his friend's girlfriend over for dinner. And I love cooking for people. I love entertaining. So like super fun for me. Now, I do often get stressed the day of because like, I just like I'll have like it'll be four of us for dinner and I'll have enough food to feed like 25. And honestly, I think it's a cultural thing like other Iranian people or even Middle Eastern people listening or even like Mediterranean people, I think all do this too. like my parents would have like five to 10 people over for dinner and it would be like a long ass dinner table. Like, there would be like 15 different dishes. Like, it's just how we do it. It's just in my blood, you know? And I love doing a nice dinner party. Whatever. Super bummed. Again, the day of, I get a little stressed. But, like, if you've ever been around a chef, like, if you've ever worked in a kitchen, a professional kitchen, or if you watch Below Deck, you will know, like, chefs can just be kind of cunty. Like, it's just, it's a little bit of a high pressure situation. You get stressed, you get a little like, cunti it just happens right so like the day of I'm always like not the most pleasant but super excited then like the morning of we wake up and now Ozzy's on this like super stressful project he's not on location he's working from home but he's just like really working around the clock and so the day of I'm like so you're gonna be working all day and he's like yeah is that fine and I was like well so you're not gonna help me and he's like when have you wanted help in the kitchen before?" Like. I mean, like, do, do you need help? Like, you've not once asked for my help before in the kitchen. In fact, you actively asked me to, like, leave the kitchen. And I was like, well, okay, but, like, with other stuff. And he's like, okay, like, why? And I was like, I don't know, like, we need to clean. And he's like, we really don't. Like, it's just, like, my good friend and his girlfriend. Like, it's really not a big deal. And I was like, no, but, like, we need to clean. And so he's like, okay, I'll clean. And I was like, and then, like, I need you to take Sam out before they come. And he's like, yeah, 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 I can do all that. Like I was getting really irritated. And so I had to take a moment. I was like, what's going on here? Cause like the, like everything I'm like saying he's doing. So like, what's actually going on here. And I had to do some digging and I realized like when I was a kid like the household that I grew up in and like frankly the culture that I grew up in women did everything and like men kind of did nothing and it's this like kind of lingering trauma that I have where I'm always like I don't want to end up like that and I think it's like so much to the point where like my boyfriend does everything around the house like all I do is cook and that's because like I do it Like professionally, you know, I'm like always recipe creating, yada, yada. And he does literally all of the cleaning, literally all of the cleaning. I never clean. I'm actually like lowering my voice because I hope he doesn't hear (laughs) as I'm recording this, but like, I never clean. He does all of the cleaning. Like, and like, and I actively seek it out to be like that because I have this trauma where I'm like, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm doing all the work. And so I guess the takeaway here is like, look at what you're reacting to and really ask yourself, like, is this pointing to something deeper? Because usually it is, right? Number two, the second clue, the second way you can identify the areas that need work are things that repeat themselves, and this might be a little bit woo-woo, but I think like when something is coming up over and over again, it's the universe's way of pointing to where there's something like some kind of trauma that needs to be resolved. And so one thing that came up for me this past week, like over and over again, is um, a theme of flakiness. And so I'll just kind of walk you through what was happening Um One time like I was supposed to have this Zoom call and I accidentally scheduled another meeting like an in-person meeting for the same time and I realized it like 10 minutes before and so I was like okay well this person has like just come down down to Tribeca to meet me for coffee and like it is a little bit more important so I have to keep this and so I emailed the Zoom person I was like I'm so so sorry like I just like completely fucked up like can we reschedule And she, in her response, like, wasn't like, hey, it's okay, no worries, that happens, whatever. She was just like, I can't do Friday, I can do next week. And I was like, okay, like, again, I'm so, so sorry, like, could you do this? And, like, no matter how much I apologized, she wasn't, like, being like, yeah, no worries, it's okay, whatever. Um, And like I really had to take some time and I was like okay like it is not her responsibility to like alleviate the guilt that I'm feeling and like I've also objectively done something wrong here like it's not like it's not even up for discussion like I really did fuck up but I was feeling so much anxiety about it. And then something else happened. Oh, so I um, was invited to a friend's um, bridal shower before her wedding, like super sweet of her to invite. And I hadn't responded to the invite because – I was trying to figure out how I could go. And the problem is that Ozzy's going to be out of town that week. And as you guys know, if you've been listening to the podcast, my dog Samantha has had all these like health issues and like stuff with her back. And I'm just like really anxious about anyone other than Ozzy watching her. And we are going to a few weddings this fall. And I have a friend coming in from out of town, staying at my place to watch her. Cause like, I don't want Sam going to the usual person who babysits her. Cause like, I don't know what their setup is there. Like, I don't know if there's like stairs. I don't know if like, uh, you know, there's a couch, like here I have the couch fenced off. Like it's, everything's under control here versus, somewhere else where there is no control and my friend also understands the situation so I just feel safer about it but like I she's already coming down as many times as she can come down so like she can't watch her then and so anyway I wasn't responding to the e-bike because like I really was just trying to get it all figured out and so then she texts me and she's like hey my sister really needs to order food for this event so like can you make it or not and so I sent back this really long thing explaining the whole thing with Samantha because like she didn't even know that Samantha had recently herniated another disc blah 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 and I don't hear back from her and so I'm like oh my god like she's mad at me she's mad at me she's mad at me and I'm just freaking out and then I'm like oh this actually the energy of this like feels so similar to this other thing I was going through and there was also a third thing with a friend who was like trying to schedule something with me and I like wasn't responding anyway so I really thought about it and like the root of all of these to me was the flakiness and the root of the flakiness actually is like the eating disorder stuff that I was talking about and how like I felt rejected a lot and so I'd like use food to soothe and then like once I developed the eating disorder it's like bleakiness kind of protected me from rejection because like in my head I'd be like okay either like I'm not going to eat and like I'll go and do these plants or if the plants fall through for whatever reason then it's okay because I can stay home and binge and then like just like the comfort that I would get and like, honestly, just like the food that I would get from binging started out weighing, actually keeping the plan. So then I became flaky. I don't know if any of this is making sense. But anyway, I think like when the same type of thing is coming up in your life, like more than once, it's something to pay attention to because I think it's there to teach you something. And then the third place that I think you can look to learn like where you have like deeper work to do is look at your partner or if you're not like currently in a relationship, then like your closest friend, the person that you talk to the most, the person that you're like the most enmeshed with right now and look at their shortcomings because I really think it's so true that we mirror what's going on. Like we just are mirrors of each other constantly. And it's funny, like Ozzy sees this so well, even though he's not like – He's like definitely not woo woo and like he's not you know what I mean he's not like well versed and researched in this type of thing but he can see it in us so instantly like there's this one time a couple of weeks ago where I was like editing something under a time pressure and I was just being such an asshole And later he was like, it's so funny. Your and my like bad behaviors are exactly the same. He's like, I act the exact same way when I'm like stressed about editing. And like, it's like, it's just, it's so interesting to see him be like, oh my God, like now that I watch my own behavior coming out of you, I realize how much I don't like it and how much I want to work on it. So that's a third place to look. And um." The way that I would go about this, this is the way that I actually do go about this, is I keep a note on my phone. And every single time that I get triggered, I write it down and I write down like what happened and what I'm feeling. And that kind of helps me see the patterns. Like the thing with the flakiness, the the way that I was able to see that pattern is because I was documenting it each time it happened or the thing with like the dinner party, right? It would have been easy to just be like, well, he's like not even helping me or like he said he's going to be busy and like leave it at that. But it takes like... It takes practice of like noting everything that's happening and like digging a bit deeper to see that deeper layer and then the way that I work on it, I'm just gonna be honest. what I do is like I guide myself in a meditative process that uses elements from like n l p hypnosis, somatic body work, and e m d r to reprocess trauma and then to like create and strengthen new neural pathways and um it's like really hard to explain without like literally like doing it in front of someone and again like if you like I feel comfortable doing this because I've done a ton of therapy and stuff, but like, I don't really recommend like trying to do EMDR on yourself. Like, I like it's not a recommended thing. I'm just being honest about what I actually do. So, um, for example, with the mom thing, right? So I'm like sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, all right, why am I irritated? I figure out that it's because. I had that experience in childhood where I'd always see my mom working, 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 like doing all this stuff around the house. And my, not, my dad not really helping out around the house. Now, in all fairness, he did have a job outside the house. And that's just kind of like historically how we, right? It's like a team, right? That's how just how we divided things up. Like one person is out bringing money in for the household while the other person is running the household. That, But whatever, as a child, it can be traumatizing, especially when your mom is complaining a lot and complains about like how lazy your dad is and how this and how that and how hard it is on her. Like that's very traumatizing for a child to be around. And it really like, you're like, I will never be like that. I never want to be stuck in this situation. So what I would do is like, I'll get myself like in the meditative state. Right. And then like, I like use like, elements from EMDR just to like repress while thinking about the trauma. And then I'll visualize like a different type of childhood where maybe I had a stay-at-home dad and like a working mom and like a dad who's just like super present in the house and like doing everything and doing all the cooking and cleaning and like mom's not really contributing or like whatever it is that counteracts my actual experience and then creates this new neural pathway where I'm not constantly like, Oh my God, like men do nothing, men do nothing. and like women do everything. and like it's so unfair to women. So yeah, that's just a synopsis of my personal process. Again, I do recommend if you're uncovering trauma to work with someone, but I will always be honest about what I'm actually doing. Um And yeah, just to summarize, the three places that I would look that are clues for where you have deeper work is like a what you see in other people that is less than ideal. If it's a person who is very, very close to you, they're probably mirroring some of your own trauma. Um, Things that repeat themselves when something is coming up more than once, probably a good sign for something to look into. And where we're reacting and like maybe even overreacting given the situation. And Like really what I would do is just get in the habit of writing these things down and you'll start to be able to see patterns and you can go from there. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope something in this episode makes made sense because I absolutely feel like I'm losing my mind. You know what? I got my period a couple of days ago and it came a bit early and I'm just hemorrhaging blood and I'm probably very anemic right now. So let's just blame it on that. But really, I hope you took something from the episode. And if you did, like I would so appreciate it if you could leave a review. I read all of the reviews. They mean so much to me. Like they help so much and they really, really help the show. And it's like this like easy thing that you can do to help the show. And, you know, if you appreciate it, let me know. DM me. I'm always here. I respond to all my DMs. And also, if you could screenshot and put it in your stories and tag at Blush Pot, that would be super, super helpful. Um, Love you guys. Thank you for listening find me on Instagram, find me on TikTok. It's at blushpod everywhere. Um, yeah. Love you guys. Talk to you next week.